0: Welcome to Lifelines Radio, a production of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. I'm your host, Maria Gallagher, Legislative Director of the Federation. Joining us today is Nick Silverio, known for providing safe havens for newborns. Welcome, Nick. Thank you for having me today. Thank you, Maria. It's so good to be with you today. So, Nick, how did you come to hold your pro-life beliefs?
1: Well... Through the beliefs and teachings and examples from my parents, that every life is a is a precious child of God, and it's our moral responsibility to protect them and guide them, each one. And we need to speak up for them, uh, be a clear voice. And of course, um, that's why Gloria and I, uh, we, we really love children. We were beyond excited when she became pregnant. And we started to make plans for this wonderful chapter in our lives, even picking out names—Iris uh, after Gloria's sister, and Nicholas obviously if it was a boy. But Gloria suffered a uh, miscarriage during her fourth month uh, month of pregnancy at home on a Christmas Eve. It was a boy, and the doctor said we would have been the baby would have been born with very special needs. So Gloria and I just held each other, we hugged each other but we knew that we would have loved and cherished that little Nicholas with all of our heart, no matter what, since he was a gift from God.
0: Absolutely, that's such a touching story. Tell me more about your beloved wife, Gloria and the inspiration she played in your life.
1: What a special person, really. Uh, Our our common faith bounded us from the very, very start. Gloria and I felt that God was always present in our lives, um, Gloria found joy in serving others. She had a special place in her heart for children and the elderly. Um, Gloria was drawn, drawn; children were drawn to Gloria because of her kind and accepting ways, always listening and encouraging them. She would regularly take elderly grocery shopping, to doctor's appointments, or just go and visit with them. And Gloria was always did her kind deeds for the right reason to help others in need, never ever seeking recognition. Quite often, the only ones that knew of her kindness were the people she helped and God. Glory would frequently end a sentence with God willing. She was a very special person. and And God took her too early, but we we, we know he had a plan
0: absolutely. And so what prompted you to launch an effort to help mothers and their babies?
1: Well, God was involved in this, for sure. Uh, It was our 32nd wedding anniversary. Gloria and I had planned a very special trip to Italy, my grandparents' birthplace. We planned on visiting relatives I had never met, tour the country, and receive a special blessing from the Pope uh, and renew our marriage vows. But this trip wasn't meant to be. On a beautiful Miami December day, in a split second, life as I knew it was over. My beloved Gloria suffered fatal injuries and she was involved in a car accident caused by a speeding driver. And we never know what life has in store for us. In an instant, like a, a strike of lightning, our world can be sliced into two, before and after, just as mine was when Gloria died. We all live in fear of such devastating events, but we never think it will happen to us. I for sure didn't. But my faith taught me that God has a plan for all of us. You just have to be open enough and to be listening. And I was through my pain and my darkness. Some four months after Gloria's accident, while sitting alone in my dimly lit kitchen at around 3 AM, I was mindlessly flipping through a magazine when my fingers suddenly stopped uh, on a page and I was compelled to look. It featured a story about an escalating worldwide crisis. Newborns were being abandoned at an alarming rate, and they often did not survive. Something gripped at my heart. I closed my eyes and drew a breath. I just knew that this was God's plan for me. I would now dedicate my life to saving the lives of precious newborns. That's how it became.
0: That's just incredible. And what has been the impact of your efforts on the state of Florida?
1: Huge, huge. (laughs) Babies babies are saved from abandonment. Uh, 366 babies in Florida, nine in other states, and one in the country of Honduras. And we've assisted over 6,000 women, uh, helping them in their time of need. Seventy-two moms chose direct adoption, and six we helped six parents regain their parental rights. Once they the uh, the parents of the of the mom knew that uh, what she had done, they were offered to help, and they were going to all bring that child up. We have signage posted outside of all of the ER hospitals in the twenty-four-seven staff fire stations in the state. We have education collaboration uh, working statewide. Uh, We we are a prototype for other states as well. And the governor uh, approved a safe haven for newborns license plate. We were very thankful for that. And we received numerous, numerous proclamations and an apostolic blessing from Pope Francis, which we were very, very pleased with and very honored.
0: That is just remarkable. How did you get the word out about the help available to mothers in difficult circumstances?
1: Well, through the traditional ways, through TV, uh, radio, print, videos, social media, presentations in the community, uh, billboards throughout the state, uh, information with pro-life organizations. We developed a community service app for students because we wanted to reach them. They are the most vulnerable of the groups. And um, the community service app allows a student to earn their community service hours remotely. And they could do a video, they could do an artwork, or they can create a presentation, but it's all focused on Safe Haven. And over a thousand students have participated already. High school, plus higher education, some colleges as well, which we're very happy for. We distribute materials throughout the state to faith-based organizations, clinics, hospitals, um, police departments um, and and uh, um, all of those types of organizations. Basically, we we continue to do that every month. We we send out at least a hundred a uh, hundred different organizations, and we have a baby shower. We we encourage uh, volunteers to do baby showers where they live, and we give them the instructions and and the guidance on how to go about doing that. And when, the, when they are successful, we then connect them to a uh, crisis pregnancy center in their particular city, and then they provide those baby items to that center. So that's how that works.
0: That's wonderful. Are there some favorite success stories you'd like to share?
1: How, how about hundred?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, uh, I'm going to share. I'm going to share three, basically. Okay. One was with Cecile. Cecile called us uh, one early morning, and she said basically that she was uh, uh, being forced out of where she was living. She was eight months pregnant, seven months pregnant, I'm sorry, seven months pregnant, no prenatal care, uh, undocumented, and had no place to go and no resources. So I, I, call, I spoke to her and I said, well, we'll come and pick you up. She said, no, I don't want you to pick me up where I'm staying because I don't want them to know anything about what's going on, but I'll be in the street. I said, well, tell me the clothes that you're wearing so I can identify you when, when we get there. So I picked her up and it was in the morning. So I said to her, um, uh, "Let's. you want to have breakfast? She said, yes, for sure. I said, where would you like to go? She said, Burger King. So we went <laughs> to Burger King for breakfast. We then took her to the, um, there's a motel by the Archdiocese of Miami on Biscayne Boulevard called the Hacienda Motel. We took her there and uh, we paid for her to stay there. And um, every week we would go by and um, pay for that week, the coming week. And I would then talk with her outside of her room about what was going on. We would take her to a prenatal care uh, appointments. And uh, that went on for a couple, uh, over almost two months and um, so one night at nine o'clock at night I remember it clearly she called and she said my water just broke and I said okay I'll call 911 she, she didn't want us to call 911 because she was concerned about uh, her immigration status which I told her that was not an issue whatsoever but in any event she uh, really really asked me to, to to come so I got in the car and I started driving and I called her about four or five times to see how things were. And I was going to uh, call 911 if anything had changed, but it didn't. But I said as I I was driving, dear Lord, you gave me a major thing in life to deal with Gloria. Please do not uh, give me this uh, uh, to deliver this baby (laughs) uh, on the jobs. Because uh, uh, And so he listened. He listened. And uh, I was able to take her to the hospital. And um, she, she had a healthy baby. And the baby then was placed for, for adoption. She calls us about every two or three months just to say hello and how she's doing. We got her some counseling and she got a job and she got her life on track. That was Cecile. Gloria Hope, Gloria Hope's birthday was yesterday. Gloria Hope is 20 years old. I remember her when she was two days old. That's when I first met her. And uh, and her parents wanted to, um, her parent wanted me to, wanted to meet me. And she wanted to give me two letters, one to give to Gloria when Glory grew up and one for the adoptive parents. And the letter for Glory, Hope was, you didn't think I loved you because I gave you up, but that's why I did. I didn't have a future and I wanted you to have one. Today, Glory is in college. She's in her second year of college, a wonderful girl. She comes to our gala every year that we have and she sings the national anthem and just a, a wonderful, wonderful girl. Um, and then there was, uh, then, there, then there was uh, Anna Gabrielle. Uh, there was a family in Honduras that uh, was connected to a family here. And uh, the uh, family in Honduras, it was a mother, uh, a, a 20-year-old daughter, and the she had a 13-month-old child. And she was seven months pregnant. And, they, and the mother said, we can't take care of the three of us. We're not going to have a fourth. So uh, we were contacted and we helped. Everything was done over the Internet, uh, guidance and money and so forth. And she uh, ended up having a very, very healthy little boy. uh, And the baby was placed for adoption. So that baby's life was saved because that baby would not not be alive today. So those are three, just three of the stories that we have. And they, they keep on going on and on.
0: It's just amazing. We are speaking with Nick Silverio, who is known for providing a safe haven for newborns. Nick, if a pregnant woman is scared and lacks support, what can she do?
1: You can call her helpline. Uh, it's English, Spanish, and Creole, and uh, it's 24-7, seven days a week, uh, Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, New Year's, whatever whatever the day is. and. Uh, and we, we can get her the help that she needs through either uh, referral counseling to shelters, uh, maternity homes, there, there have been abuse issues, there's one call for a suicide issue that we've got, got her help immediately, uh, baby items, connections to Medicaid, uh, the actual s- uh, surrendering of a safe haven baby, uh, uh, all of those things, and we, we get calls every single day, and we help moms uh, in every which way. So we have a, a uh, database of all these organizations. So when we get a call from any particular city or county, we're able to refer uh, the mom to that particular uh, area to, to get the help. And I'd like to share just one, one little story. It's, it was a 25-year-old woman called us. She had a five-month-old little boy. And she said, I am beside myself. I don't know what to do. Uh, I uh, am so depressed. Uh, I am very concerned about my 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 child. Uh, I'm concerned for his his well-being. And so basically she had postpartum. That was where she was suffering from. So we put her in touch with a with a counselor that we we know and very good effective counselor. And they both agreed that basically, um, after she would interview a particular foster care uh, parent for a short period of time, Uh, to be able to get her life back on track. And so she she agreed to that. She uh, discussed it with a parent. They signed an agreement to make sure that this was a temporary situation. And uh, it took five weeks. And uh, she then was back on track with her life and in better shape. And so uh, she was reunited with her little child. And that could have been a very, very disastrous story.
0: It could have been, thank you so much for your help in that and preventing that disaster from taking place. Now, how do you believe Gloria's legacy lives on?
1: Well, that's easy. Okay. Uh she so loved children and she made a lasting mark to them in, in many, many of their lives. Uh, babies are being saved in Florida, in, in other states, in other countries. From the ultimate and in infant abuse abandonment through the gloria m silverio foundation uh, doing business doing uh, efforts as a safe haven for newborns her legacy lives on through each and every one of these precious lives that have been saved and there's not a day that goes by that she's not with me uh, through this god-giving journey that is so beautiful
0: Can you tell me, how can people help you in your life-saving, life-changing work?
1: They can volunteer. Uh, We have a lot of opportunities to volunteer, Uh, and the volunteers could be remote volunteering. They don't have to come to our facility. Uh, They can become a Safe Haven ambassador, where they're very involved, uh, as we have. We have about, uh, right now, just in Miami alone, we have about 45 uh, ambassadors. They... uh, continually do God's work, you know, for us. Um, and uh, most of them give from the, the time and their talent from their heart. And of course, of course, do- donations. Uh, that's always um always something that's necessary. And the reason it's necessary is we do not we do not sell anything. We do not charge for anything. All of our efforts basically uh, fundraising wise are from our uh, fundraising events that we have every year.
0: Now, do you ever hear from the children who were saved as a result of safe haven for newborns?
1: Well, Gloria Hope. Gloria Hope is 20. And uh, we just sent her a, a, a present for for her time. And she's a very special girl. Everybody that knows her, loves her, and uh, feels blessed to know her. Uh, we have Milagros. Milagros was born with, with uh, no arms and one leg. Uh, but her her spirit is unbelievable. Uh, she uh, came to our gala this year. She lives in Missouri, uh, and uh, she came to our gala. She, she used to live in Florida. Now she lives in Missouri. Uh, she came to our gala, and she had written something that she wanted me to to um, read for her because she she's had problems speaking, and uh, you could hear the the uh, moans and the groans in the crowd as I was. Relaying what she wanted her message to, to be. She's a very special little girl. Her parents uh, have uh, adopted uh, five special needs children, and she's one of them. And they were all homeschooled. What a blessing! And uh, she gra- she's 14 years old. She graduated from high school this year because she's she's in a uh, a homeschool program.
0: Remarkable. Now, what words of advice would you have for an individual who would like to start a similar outreach effort?
1: I would say we we've helped. We have a uh, an affiliate program for other states, and I would say if they're interested to the contact, because basically, uh, th- this is a very huge effort to undertake, and it needs to be planned and um, and needs to have support. Uh, how we started it basically was. Uh, I, I knew we couldn't do this by ourselves. We needed the, the health community involved. We needed the fire departments involved. We needed churches involved. And it takes time to make, make all of that happen. And, and I'll give you just a, a little story. Um, when we started this, I wanted to place signage at all of the fire stations and all of the hospitals in the state of Florida. Uh, have the signage posted outside the facility. So we uh, we were having a facility at um, Holy Cross Hospital in Broward County, and w- there was a fire chief that was there. And so I spoke to him and i said this is this is my uh, my mission. This is what I would like to do." So he I said, "How do we do this?" So he gave me the name of an individual that was part of the Florida Fire Chiefs Association. And I called him and I said, um, we would like to we would like to post signage outside of every facility." And we will pay for them because I knew it was a government entity and it would, it would be a lot involved to, to make that happen the other way. And he said, uh, I'll help you. Uh, I said, well, we once we pay for them, how uh, do we get them distributed? He said, uh, we have seven vice presidents that represent seven counties in the state. He said, uh, they will help. And that's how that helped. And once the, the signage started getting posted at the hospital, At the fire departments, I then contacted the hospitals and they bought in it too. So all of the ER hospitals in the state of Florida and all of the 24-7 staff, it's 24-7 staff fire stations, have signage posted outside their facility. Uh, The message is in English and Spanish.
0: Wonderful. Now, when you started your outreach efforts, did you ever dream of the number of lives you would impact?
1: Never, never, never. Our first little miracle, uh, a precious life was saved. It was such a heartwarming, uh, very emotional time. Uh, We had no way of knowing uh, what was going to happen. But we knew at that point that our program was working. And if we kept at it, it would save more lives. And eventually, uh, we assisted uh, to to assist pregnant girls in their time of crisis. And our first baby uh, that was born was Carol Gloria. And we don't believe that was a coincidence. (laughs) The firefighters named the baby Carol Gloria, and Gloria is my wife's name. So we believe from the very, very beginning, if we saved one life, all of our efforts would be worthwhile. And that was 376 precious lives ago.
0: Amazing. Now, why did you decide to write a book?
1: Well, uh, I'm not a writer, but uh, (laughs) it was a healing journey for me. I wanted to share that even when you are in unimaginable darkness, there's always light, light that is hope and faith, and that can help you heal. And it's a story about one man's true true story about love, grief, faith, and joy. And I wanted to share that. I thought it might be helpful to others.
0: That's very kind of you.
1: And, and we and we set up we set up a. Uh, a corporation that's uh, part of the Graham Silverio Foundation. It's, so it's a non-for-profit. So any of the funding that we receive from the sales of the book will go to the foundation. And it's called the Sil- Silverio public, uh, uh, Publication. So it's, uh, mm-hmm. it was something that was really special for me.
0: Terrific. Now, how can people learn more about a safe haven for newborns?
1: We have a, a wealth of information on our website, and it's spread throughout the entire website. If they go on it, they can see about volunteering. They can follow us on the social media. They can get um, uh, and see what type of volunteering that that they can do. It's um, People that go on the site say it really um, explains much of what uh, what we do and how we do it.
0: So we've got about 4 minutes left and I'm I'm wondering um where where do you see a safe haven for newborns going in the future? I mean is is this going to go beyond you and and beyond your family? What do you see happening?
1: Yes, yes. It's this is a this is a uh, a mission that will continue on and on. We have um um we we've helped other states too, so it's it's beyond just Florida, and uh, we we also helped the country of Panama to pass the law. So that's how we're looking at that. We we believe that um, we're building a network, and we're building people. We have so many ambassadors. This will just go on and on, and we we hope um, we hope one day that um, that there are no abandonments. and uh, you know we're realistic. So we're getting the word out, we're reaching out to everywhere in all different aspects that we can. And um and babies are being being placed in safe haven by mothers that want their babies to have a future that they can't provide.
0: And, and I think in, in that couple... may be a misconception that these mothers somehow don't care about their babies, but it's actually the opposite. They care so much, they want to make sure their babies have a good start in life.
1: Totally, totally, that's the correct uh, correct evaluation of that. In, in a perfect world there would be no need for an organization such as a safe haven for newborns. But as we all know our world is far from perfect and all we can do is try to make it a better place. We can't save every infant and guide every mother, but we can make a difference as many as possible and we will never ever stop trying. And I would like to leave with just this one quote from Mark Twain. The two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. I found out why.
0: That's remarkable. And Nick, if people want to get in touch with you or want to learn more about a safe haven for newborns, what should they do? Should they go to the website or or what?
1: If they go to the website, they'll, they they could see the email that's there. And I I receive all of those emails and I will respond quickly. And and I encourage people to do so.
0: It's just a remarkable story. And and I'm just struck by how you were able to take a terrible tragedy in your life and turn it around for good and to help other people. And I think that's a credit to you and a credit to Gloria. And I I think that this is such a a wonderful outreach and, and everybody should know about it.
1: And, and, you know, everybody, everybody should strive to have a relationship with God. If you do and you're listening, he's got a plan for each and every one of us. And that's how I was able to to come up with this program.
0: And you said in, in the minute we have left, you have a gala.
1: We have a, a gala every year. Uh, it's attended uh, at least by 400 people. Uh, wonderful group of people. We have uh, a, uh, a run walk. That we're, we'll have in February, February March timeframe. We just finished a golf tournament uh, in May, uh, which was a great effort. Uh, and we'll have a telethon that we have that we started because of the pandemic, uh, and we're going to continue it. It's been ver- very very effective. And uh, and we also have something that we called a friend raiser. Okay, it's it's an event that we that we invite people that know about Safe Haven but most of the people that don't know anything about Safe Haven. And we invite them there, and we talk about Safe Haven for 10 minutes just to tell them what we're doing, give them an idea, and we don't ask for money. And so I was told, if you have a captive audience, you have to ask for money. And I said, no, we don't. We want to touch their hearts. If we touch their hearts, they'll touch their pocketbook. And many new people have joined our mission because of that.
0: Nick Saverio, thank you so much for joining us on the program today.
1: Thank you, Maria. Appreciate you. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to Lifelines Radio, a production of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. I'm your host, Maria Gallagher. Thank you for joining us. And remember, there is always, always, always a reason to choose life.